Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 5. In Romans 5, just before we get into this, I just want to, we, I was going to read from Romans 12, at 5.12, but I just want to quickly explain to you a little bit about what I'm going to talk about and this bit of scripture first of all. And without reading it, many of you might know that Paul wrote this and his instructions here in Romans 5.12, it talks about it talks about the law, the law in which Adam broke, that is the story Adam and Eve, as you know. It talks about the fact that his disobedience has brought about death to us as a race. And it then talks about the fact that Jesus' obedience has brought life to us. Amen. So it goes through and talks about the fact that because of Adam's disobedience to the command that he had, that law, that original law, verbal command, that his disobedience brought through the race death to us. But thankfully Jesus, Jesus' act of obedience brought life. Amen. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Jesus is referred to sometimes in 1 Corinthians, he's, he's referred to as the, the last Adam. In a, in a kind of a metaphorical way, he's not Adam, but Adam came as this perfect human being in a sense, but soon he disobeyed God. He broke the law, as many of you know the story, and Adam was basically, if anyone's to blame, it was him. He, he got us in this mess and then it's gone through the race. And we needed someone else, like another Adam, to come along, and that's Jesus, to rescue us. And I want to pick this up, Romans 5, verse 17. And he says this, after he's, Paul's just spoke about the fact that Adam's kind of messed things up, and then we need Jesus, and all about that, he comes in and says this, verse 17, for if by the trespass, Sins of one man, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I'll read that again. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? Say reign in life. Reign in life. You're not very loud this morning. That's good. Through the one man, Jesus Christ. Wow. Just that verse for me is quite astounding. Because one thing it tells me is as a believer, I'm talking to believers and unbelievers today. But first of all, Paul is talking to believers. What it tells me is in just that one simple verse that I should be reigning in life. You probably sat there thinking, reigning in life? Far from it. 
Far from it. I don't feel like I am. I feel quite downtrodden. I don't feel like I'm reigning life. I'm just going through the motions. But he says, just as death reigned through Adam, death reigned when we receive the gift of grace and righteousness from God, through Jesus Christ, we should be reigning in life. I want to ask you the big question today, first of all, are you reigning in life? Are you reigning in life? Do you know what the word reign means? It means to take rulership in terms of kings and the monarchy and all that kind of stuff. It means, it means for you to be taking rulership. Almost feel like you got things under control. But for many of us today, I believe that we don't feel that we're reigning in life. We don't feel like we've got it under control. In fact, sometimes it's quite the opposite. So what is it Paul's saying? What is it that Paul's saying to us here as believers that we should learn to reign in life? Because I tell you what, I want to know what it means to reign in life. I don't know about you. The truth is there's so many challenges in life that we just think, boy, that sounds good for the one who's feeling happy. But for me, if only they understood the amount of issues I've got to deal with, I kind of don't think that scripture applies to me. But it, re- it, it responds and it comes to every believer. It relates to every believer. It's not just for certain people. There's many scriptures you find in the Bible, including this one that says we should be reigning in life. More than conquerors. Oh, we love them, don't we? We've got them on the fridge. Victorious. Triumphant. But you feel far from all these descriptions. You feel far from reigning in life. These are idealistic things. These are the things that you'd love to get to. Almost one day when you're a believer, maybe I'll just get to reigning in life one day. But for now, I'm just going to accept the status quo. Why do we feel so low sometimes, missing the mark? Monday morning for us is hard enough as it is. Just thinking about tomorrow morning is a big problem for some of us. I know that when I used to be in work, people used to say they'd be sat at working away and they'd always talk about the hump day. Does anyone know what the hump day is? No. It was probably just in my office then. It was probably that they were just sad and upset. Probably you can deal with Monday mornings. But they talked about the hump day. The hump day was Wednesday. They said, when you get a Wednesday, if we can just get to Wednesday, we're, we're over the hump. And then it's all the way to Friday. You'll not forget that now, will you? Don't start saying, on Monday morning, I can't wait for hump day. Every day for us is a great day with God. But many of us sometimes, you go into work tomorrow. I mean, I always said this, the preaching and everything that comes from here is not about a great time now. It's about what you're going to do tomorrow. And your life, the issues are about what is it that happens when you walk out. Tim said it earlier, when when the fairground shuts down and it's all over and you can't necessarily feel the presence. go, what is it that you're going to do tomorrow morning? Are you going to reign in life when the alarm clock goes off? At six o'clock, when you walk into work and the issues and the problems and all the things that you carry, or do you just can't wait for Friday when it's all over? Just like the rest of them, get to hump day, get over that, 
And then I'm there. It's a straight run to the weekend. What is it we missed? What is it we missed if we're not reigning in life? I want you to turn with me now to Romans 7. And let's just have a look at some of the things that Paul teaches us about the law and about these things that we've just mentioned that may help us and hopefully will to reign in life. Romans 7 verse 1 says this, Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that is the kind of law, the Ten Commandments, we know that the, the Ten Commandments were set in place and our conscience tells us when we're doing some of these things wrong. He's saying, I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So my brothers and sisters... You also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Paul's using here the analogy of marriage. You can read it and think it sounds a little bit complicated, but he's using this analogy to help us of marriage. He's effectively saying that For you, the law, the Ten Commandments, the things you may not know all the Ten Commandments, but your conscience tells you now what you're doing wrong. But this law that has been around all these years, it's on your mind and it's there and it's like an overbearing husband. It's something that you would be attached to that demands... It's almost like a husband that is saying to you, this perfect husband that is saying, you need to be like this, you need to do this. You need to change this, you need to do that, you're doing this wrong. And you know you can't argue with this husband because you know that the husband is right. You know that this husband is perfect and right, this law is right. So although this husband, almost in speaking metaphorically, actually does nothing to help you. It just shows you what, how you're doing things wrong. And you look and you think, I have this overbearing husband, this law that's attached. And how do I break free from this law? We're permanently married to this law. That is without Jesus. It shows us our weaknesses. We can never fulfill it. When Moses had these Ten Commandments, the objective of God was never for a man to fulfill them. It revealed our sins. It revealed our problems. That's what it was there for. 
He was to guide us, but it was never going to be fulfilled. It was only fulfilled by one. Thankfully, Paul doesn't finish after giving this analogy of marriage and saying that you're attached to this overbearing husband called the law, which you can't escape from. You're attached to because this law will never die. It's around forever. But thankfully, he goes on to talk about something else. And I want us to focus today on a new law. Sometimes you're saying probably, well, I know I understand I'm a believer. I'll tell you what, believers do not sometimes grasp what it is to reign in life. That's why Paul and he had to speak to the church to remind them of where they stood in Christ. This law I'm talking about is the law of grace. It's the law of grace. What rights, you probably ask, what rights do I have under this new law? I don't know about you, but anytime I watch a program on TV where it's some kind of uh, documentary or some program showing someone who's just been called in before the police to answer questions because they've done something wrong, they've been caught out. And they always say, don't they, no comment. I want my lawyer. No comment. I always find it so frustrating when they just say, no comment. And they want a lawyer because the reason why they want a lawyer is this. They want to know their rights. And I want to just look and and focus on your rights under the law of grace. Your rights under the law of grace. Number one today, you have the right to reign. We've just said it. Reigning life. You have the right to reign. We read earlier in Romans 5.17, it says, For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? Paul says, you can only reign in life You can only reign in life when you receive the abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. There it is. In other words, you're eligible through Jesus to receive this gift of grace. You're eligible. All you have to do is just claim it. Someone once told me years ago I was, I was totally backslidden. I went to some big revival meeting when I was really young and I just went just for the ride someone took me all the way up to Sunderland somewhere and I'll never forget to this day that someone walked all the way across the room and thousands of people come up to me and said you are wasting your life and God's got a winning ticket for you you've just got to cash it in and I kind of ignored it and walked away but I've never forgot that I must have been 13 14 years old Some of us ain't claiming it. We're not taking what God's given us. This gift of grace, this abundant provision of grace. And the gift of righteousness. For it's by grace you've been saved. Through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works. So that we can boast. And this is the problem. So many of us. We think that it's too impossible to, f- to know that God has broken us from this overbearing husband, this thing that Paul described in marriage as the law, 
to think that we're set free from it. But what did we read? It says that, and we know that in marriage, you're, a, you're bound to that person until they die. Jesus says, through his death, you can die to the law. That's an amazing thing. This law that is just overbearing. You walk out of here and you don't choose God. I want to guarantee you the law is on your back. It's always going to be there. You're against your conscience. But Jesus says that I've given you a gift. You just have to die to the law through me. Because of what I did on the cross. But we say, what's the catch? There must be a catch. Never forget, I was sat at work just a few years ago and I got a phone call. And it said, and this lady said to me, you've won a free holiday. You can choose X, Y, Z. I never told Emma about this, but you got a free holiday. And you can go to this place in this country or this. And it sounded so amazing. I kept asking the question. I'm thinking, I've heard these things before, but this sounds just amazing. She said, you, no, there's, you don't have to do anything. And I'm like, is this true? She said, yeah, you just have to, if you send me your details, we'll send you the things. You just choose where you want to go. And I'm like, how could this be? How could it be? What I soon come to realize is when I kept asking the question, what's the catch? And she kept coming out with more terms and conditions. What is the catch? The catch was that we just had to spend something like 15 minutes listening to someone talk about timeshares or something. She didn't tell me that in the advert. It wasn't on the leaflet. But there was a catch. There was something that they needed that sales pitch for to get me to go. And some of us today, we think, what's the catch? Is there a catch? Are we really free from this law or do we have to try and do things? And then we feel like we fail. See, the problem is today is that many of us set our own new laws up. We're very good at that. We give Moses a run for his money with the, the tablets because we've, we've got far more than ten. Oh yeah. Monday morning you get up. You've just become a Christian. And someone says to you, you know, you need to start praying. You need to start praying more. In fact, have you come along to our prayer meeting, but also we want to, we want you to pray every five o'clock, every morning and evening. And so you think, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to support this, this person, this buddy friend of mine in church. I'm going to do all the things. This is good. I'm free. I'm free in Christ. And then someone comes and says, how are you doing the Bible reading program? What? I've got to pray at five o'clock and then evening and the Bible reading program. Yeah, we just do that every, you know, every day, half an hour of your time. In a year, you'll get through the Bible. And you think, I'll try and do this, so you do this. And then someone says to you, are you joining our fasting program? And you're like, wow, isn't this good? They told me I was going to be free. Wow, three new rules. And you think, I cannot cope with this. And what I want to encourage you in this. All these things are good. In fact, all these things I've just mentioned, I will preach about. I will encourage you to do. The word is encourage, not force. But so many of us set these things up. We create our new little laws. We've got our tablets all around the house. 
In fact, you sometimes didn't create them. Someone else made it for you. And these new laws are the things that start binding you up again to the point where you don't feel free. In fact, when you set these things up, the one thing you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. If you can see these things as what will give you righteousness in God's eyes. What did we read? It's a gift. An abundant Abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. When Jesus went to the cross and he fulfilled the law and he did everything that the law required, he was perfect in every way and he surrendered his life upon the cross. He says, the Bible says, cursed is a man who's hung on a tree. He took the curse and he took everything. So he then gives you, through his death, the gift of righteousness and the abundant provision of grace. What a deal. You won't find anything in the sales like that. Nothing comes close to it. And we set ourselves up sometimes for failure, don't we? We set ourselves up because we set all these things in place. We're trying to please other people. And let me encourage you. I still say it. The church needs you. The the body needs you to help and do things. But don't ever let these things be the thing that determine your place with God. The enemy will come in and use these things saying, you didn't pray on Thursday. Are you going to tell them? You didn't fast this last week. If you just show up and look a bit defreveled, they might believe you. Have a mint before you go. Then they won't smell. Smell the chocolate. I'm always amazed. We have chocolate in our cupboard at home. We hide it away. M&M's is our favorite. And we eat them. And sometimes I have to discreetly get some without the children knowing. And I can literally walk in, have my mouth shut. And Jacob says, you're eating peanut M&M's. He knows he can smell. And so many of us will try to Use these things and we feel downtrodden. We come to church. In fact, the last place you want to come to is church because you think I failed this week. And people are going to say, are you still doing the Bible reading program? How are you getting on? You're thinking, boy, it's been so busy this week. If I, if I told them the truth, maybe I need to, do I need to lie? If I lie though, then I'm in more trouble. These things are not what Jesus is talking about. All these things are good. All these things are good for you to do. To build and develop as a Christian and your walk with God. But this should not be determining your walk with God and how you live your life. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. It says, For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, says God, is perfect, made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What an amazing scripture. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, says God, is made perfect in your weakness. When you feel like you haven't hit the mark, when you feel like you're not reigning in life, when you feel like you've failed about five of your commandments for the week that you made up, 
The word of God to you today is this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weaknesses. I'm so glad that's the case. Remind yourself today that that is the case. The moment you're weak, basically God's saying that's the time when I can show myself through you. Because it's not about you. It's not about how good you look on the outside and how good you feel. Grace is something when you discover it, it's an amazing thing. Paul you goes on to say, and we're not going to look at this today, but he talks about, he says, so you know, if, if, if we've got this grace, does it mean we can just keep sinning? Does it mean we can keep doing things and just keep getting forgiven? I'll tell you the truth. You could sin many times. God will always forgive you. But the heart of it is this. When you receive his abundant provision of grace and righteousness, your heart will, should be changed and you won't want to do them. You won't want to do it. You won't argue and say, does that mean I can? Does that mean, is there, a, is there an escape clause here that I could carry on my life and just do what I want to do and God just keeps forgiving me? A true believer who's filled with the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God comes in you and leads you to want righteousness instead of the dark things of this world, you will not want to do them. That's your answer. If you do keep doing them, the ones who do keep doing these things and failing are the ones who are pleading to God and saying, God, please help me. And God says, I love your heart. Because you are the one who comes before me and knows that it's my grace that's sufficient for you. James 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you come proud to him, if you come saying, oh, you know, I, I've done these things, but I know you're going to give me your grace. Come humbly. Come like a child before him. Say, I messed up, Lord. But I want your grace. I want some more of this abundant provision. It sounds like you've got lots of it, Lord. Well, send some my way, please. And he'll say, yeah. It's a constant flow. Be like a child to receive this grace. Your grace is never going to come from a completed task list, is it? It's like we all have this task list. I can fulfill these things. Me and Emma at the moment, we work off this big electronic task list for everything we do in the church. We're always feeding this thing. And it's got an email thing that has alerts to tell me when a task come in and all this kind of stuff. It sounds very complicated, but it's a really good thing that we do. And it helps us to manage things. But it's one of them things, it's very frustrating. I'm sure many people who've got task lists in their job, you fill them with tasks and you think, my objective is to get rid of them. And then another one comes in and then they fill up. And it's the same. If you live your life trying to fulfill the task, it will just keep getting worse and worse. And you will never be free from it. Second Timothy 2 verse 11 to 12 says this. If we died with him, that's Christ, we also live with him. If we endure, if we endure, we will also reign in him. Let me read that again. Second Timothy 2. If we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. I know it's difficult sometimes, but the key to reigning in life is to understand that there's a free gift of grace, provision for you. And if you die through Christ to receive that gift of grace, you will reign with him. Sometimes you have to endure. It's difficult. 
But endurance will help you to reign with him. Amen. Number two today. You have the rights. You have the right to be released. You have the right to be released under this new law of grace. You say, what does that mean? Matthew 5 verse 18. Jesus said concerning the law. Until heaven and earth disappear. This is Jesus speaking. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. Until everything is accomplished. There you have it. What I said earlier. The law is there forever. Jesus said not one letter of the law will ever be removed. Jesus did not come to take the law away. He did not come to remove that law. This law is here till the end of time, till everything is accomplished. You can either live under it or die to it. I know what I want to do. You've got the right to be released. Looking back again at Romans 7 verse 6 that we read earlier, he says this, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. Now dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law. Amen. Paul said, by dying through Christ to that which bound you once, this law that was an overbearing husband that reminded you of everything you've ever done wrong. If you die to it through Jesus, you are released from that law. You've got a right to be released. Praise God. I ain't a prisoner anymore to the law. I'm free. I remember when I'd just first given my heart to God and I went into the, the office at work. Many of you have heard of this testament before, but I went in and I booked a time with my boss and said, I want to speak to you. I put a time in the, slot in the diary to talk to him about what had happened to me. And I was sat in his office and I knew him very well. And, we, and he said, what is it? What do you want to chat about? What's this meeting about? And I said, I know you might think this sounds crazy, but I have given my heart to Jesus Christ. And he looked at me and he did think I was crazy. He looked at me and probably thought, well, what do you mean? I remember I was coming out with lots of terminology that I probably questioned how I communicated. But I'm saying, I'm washed in the blood. <laughs> He's probably thinking, what? I ain't going to your church. But I'm free. And one of the things I kept saying, which I come to understand, I'm free. I'm free. I feel rubbish, but I'm free. Jesus, you've done it. I am free. I might feel like I've even failed about an hour ago before I even came to this meeting, but I'm free. You have set me free. And I'm having some of this grace, Lord. And I love you for what you've done. And I kept saying, I'm free. I'm living in freedom. And he said, how can you be in freedom when you can't do all the things that you want to do now? I said, it's because I don't want to do them anymore. My heart is changed and I don't want to do these things anymore. We've been released from this overbearing husband that ain't going to do nothing for you. I want the law of grace. Let's look again at Paul's analogy of the marriage. In Romans 7 verse 3 it says, But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. 
So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. That you might belong to another. Paul is saying, you die to Christ, die to the law through Christ, so you can belong to another. You can belong to Jesus and his grace is sufficient. Matthew 5 verse 17 says this, Jesus didn't come to remove the law. He says, I've, I've come to, abo- I've, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He was the fulfillment of the law. He wasn't coming to abolish it and remove it. I don't know about you, but sometimes you think that you still are under these old laws. And it's almost like you're locked into a contract. And you're half and half between. One day you think, no, I still feel I've got to do these things for God. Some days you feel free. To reign in life means that you're in rulership and you're taking rulership of your life through His grace, not yourself. Remember years ago, I phoned up to try and change our gas bill thing. Has anyone ever used these websites that keep coming up and flagging up saying, you switch and all these things that you can switch to get the better deal? And I remember ringing up and the, I went through all this process. It took me a long time of filling in a lot of forms. And I shifted across. And I moved all of our gas things and electric things across this other provider. Within a few weeks I thought, I got a phone call from the, the provider I was with already. They said, we've noticed you're leaving. We want to give you a better deal. What are they offering? I said, well they've said X, Y, Z. He said, well, we want to offer you something better. We, you're a valued customer to us. We don't want to lose you. I'm thinking, wow, that's really good. Why didn't you say that before I went to the website? So, this was a big mistake on my part. I said, okay, I'm really glad you feel so much about me and you want to do this to help me. I'm going to cancel this new provider. I don't know them anyway. You're my friend. I've been with you for years. Let's get this thing canceled. I'm coming back to you. So I went through the process. Then I get a letter through the post two weeks later from the new provider saying, you've cancelled your contract outside the cooling period. You owe us money. This thing was getting a mess. I didn't know which way to turn. Which one do I go to? The old, the new? I don't know. I'm trying to work out. And I was locked into this contract for just a moment. And some of you today feel like you're locked in a contract. He feels like... You can't escape this contract to get this contract to the law of grace. You set up your own God in your own image of what you think he should be. You've made your own terms and conditions and contract that you can't get out of. And Jesus says, it's just like ringing the mobile phone operator up when you need your new phone. Everyone's getting the new iPhone 6, 7 or whatever it is. You think, I want one of them. Can I have an upgrade yet? No, you've got six months left. Oh, please. Oh, please. I really need one. I've seen it's slightly bigger screen. And and they said, no, you've got six months. But you can leave, but you have to pay a price. You've got to pay an exit fee. And you're trying to weigh up. I've seen so many people who pay the exit fees to just get the new latest thing. Just to impress their friends. Jesus paid the exit free for your, the contract. He has paid the contract free 
on the old law. So that you are free. If you ring up heaven today and say, Lord, can I take hold of this law of grace, this new contract? He will say to you, yes, son. Yes, daughter. I've paid the exit fee. It's been dealt with at Calvary. The exit fee has been paid. You don't have to worry. Come. Come to me. A believer is set free. Discharged and released from the old law. Don't mingle the old law with grace. So many of us do that. But be released from it. Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30. I want to read this in the message. Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30 in the message says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Yes. Burned out on religion. Yes. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That sounds good, doesn't it? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Beautiful. I won't lay anything Heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you learn to live freely and lightly. Boy, does that sound like a good contract. I'm up for some of that. I want that. Jesus says that he will give you something light. Cast your burdens upon him. Cast these laws. Get home today and say, Lord, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get rid of all these mental, uh, things that I've got, these new tablets of stone that I've created for my Christianity. I'm ditching them. I'm smashing them because I'm signing up to your new contract. Yes, you can have an upgrade today. Many of us say, that sounds easy. How do I do it though? How do I physically really do this? How do I do what you're saying? The key is this, the Spirit of God. You say, what? I've heard this before. The Spirit of God. You need the Holy Spirit to live under grace. Number three today. In the eyes of the law, you have the right under grace to receive. You've been released. You can reign in life. But you can also receive. Looking again at Romans 7 verse 6. But now, by dying, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. So that we serve in the new way of the Spirit. Did you get that? You've been set free and released from this law. For what reason? He says to serve in the new way of the Spirit. And not in the old way of the written code. That is the law. So what do we receive? What can we receive? John 3 verse 5 to 6. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is asking a little bit about what it is discreetly to. What it is that Jesus is preaching. He wants to know. He wants to know what Jesus teaching is about. Jesus said to him this. Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh. We all know that and we understand that. But the spirit, God's spirit, gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. He said this to a religious person who thought he understood the God's spirit from the Old Testament, understood everything what it was. But he said, do you know something? You must be born of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but God's spirit gives birth to spirit. You can't enter the kingdom of God and understand the kingdom of God and his grace and all the things and the abundant provision of his grace and his righteousness without being born of his spirit. His spirit living in you, changing your heart from inside, not the outside. Everyone's always interested in the outside of where we look. But from the inside, His Spirit will change you and He will reveal to you this new contract that's available. So number one, in this instance of of the Spirit, you're born of the Spirit. That's the first thing. But we also know that we preach many times that you can be filled with His Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we saw that Pentecost that's coming up, that we're going to be celebrating soon, the day of Pentecost. Many people don't know what the day of Pentecost means in the Bible or what our denomination stands for. But you can be filled with His Spirit. Romans 8, verse 14 to 15 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves So that you live in fear again. That's fear of the law and trying to uphold all these things. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. In other words, when the spirit of God is living inside of you. You are born of the Spirit of God. All of a sudden, the contract is this. He reveals to you that you are a son, you are a child of God. How many of you know, there's so many times I, I, I talk to the kids and they say, uh, who's the, who's the boss in this house? I say, it's me. But they know their house. They know what they've got in their life. They said, this is my house as well, isn't it, dad? So yeah. There's young little boys. Really young boys, they still look and they have acknowledged because we brought them in there since day one that that's, it's their rights, it's their home, it's their bed, it's their bedroom. It's all these things. You know, I've given these things to them, I give them some toys, I don't take them away. As a son, they've got these things because I'm their father. Jesus says to us today, If you come, if you let my spirit come inside of you, you realize that I've adopted you as my child. In fact, my kingdom is your house. You have it all. Everything. It's all available to you because I ain't going to take it away from you. What father would give a child something and then take it away from them? But I've given you this gift. And the spirit of God inside of you will reveal to you that you've been adopted. Into the family of God. And that you have rights. You have rights to receive his spirit. And have rights to live a life under sonship. 
and as a daughter. Amen. The rules of his kingdom, of this kingdom, is that we can be free from the old law. Look at Romans 8 verse 1 to 2. Romans 8 verse 1 to 2 says this. About talking about, moving on in the next chapter. There's so much in this, in Romans that teaches about this. But in Romans 8, Paul goes on to talk about living a life in the Spirit. He goes on to talk about life by the Spirit. He says this, Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. He set us free. The law of His Spirit has given you life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.